When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. We worship an awesome God in the blue states. The, the president's uh, problem is that he was born a Muslim. Not God bless America, God damn America. My Christian faith then has been a sustaining force for me over these last few years. Marriage itself is now being redefined and at a very incredible velocity. President Obama made it very clear that he wanted to be the abortion president. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Welcome to the history of evangelicals in politics, the Obama era. This is episode 16. The Massachusetts legislature holds a constitutional convention. I'm John Fia. When we last left the same-sex marriage saga in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, it was February 11, 2004, and Robert Travaglini, the president of the Massachusetts Senate, had called a constitutional convention for the purpose of changing the Commonwealth's constitution to affirm marriage as a union between one man and one woman. The convention was called by the opponents of the Massachusetts Supreme Judicial Court's decision in Goodridge v. Public Health, a decision that we've spent a lot of time talking about so far on this podcast that essentially legalized same-sex marriage in the state. The high court gave the Massachusetts legislature 180 days to change the Constitution so that it conformed with the Goodridge decision. But Travaglini, along with Governor Mitt Romney, hoped that the Constitutional Convention would produce an amendment that would override the court's decision in Goodridge and ban gay marriage in the state. As the controversial convention got underway, the state house on Beacon Hill in Boston was filled with gay marriage opponents camped outside the chambers chanting, we want to vote, we want to vote. Indeed, it appeared that the anti-same-sex marriage faction in the state legislature, which included both Democrats and Republicans, had the votes they needed to move an amendment forward. Meanwhile, Members of the Massachusetts homosexual community and their allies stood in the hallway singing, God bless America. 
one of their leaders made a call to a local gay bar to recruit more protesters. The original amendment sponsored by Democratic evangelical Philip Travis, which forbade both gay marriage and gay civil unions, was defeated by the convention 103 to 94. Another amendment sponsored by House Speaker Thomas Finnernan and supported by Mitt Romney, defined marriage as the union of one man and one woman, while giving the legislature the power to establish civil unions at a later date. This amendment was rejected 100 to 98. An amendment proposed by Travaglini that defined marriage as the union between one man and one woman and affirmed civil unions that gave same-sex couples all the benefits, protections, rights, and responsibilities under state laws are granted to spouses in a marriage was rejected by a vote of 104 to 94. A fourth amendment, which was almost identical to the Travaglini amendment I just mentioned, except this time it was co-sponsored by Travaglini and Finnerman, never got a vote. Supporters of gay marriage filibustered until the midnight deadline the convention had set for itself. As one reporter put it, after two days of emotional, often rancorous debate, they decided the safest strategy was to run out the clock. By filibustering, they could make sure that no anti-gay marriage amendment would pass. One amendment opponent got the filibuster underway by reading in full the Boston Globe op-ed of Harvard minister Peter Gomes that we discussed in our last episode. Another representative told a long story of his family coming from Nazi Austria to the United States when he was five years old. Yet another supporter of gay marriage noted that it was her 33rd wedding anniversary and proceeded to tell the story of how she met her husband. And then the clock struck midnight. There would be no amendment at least not during this session. Over the two-day convention, the debates on the floor of the legislature were intense. State Senator Cynthia Stone Cream, a Democrat from Newton, compared bans on gay marriage to the Nazi treatment of the Jews. Representative Rachel Caprillion, a Democrat from Watertown, compared a ban on gay marriage to the persecution of Armenians. Representative Byron Rushing, a Democrat from Boston South End, chided the leaders of his Black community for opposing gay marriage, which he said was a basic civil right. Shame on you, he added, for making the state constitution look like a document written in the days before the Civil War. Representative David Flynn, a Bridgewater Democrat, said that he alienated a family member because of his vote against gay marriage. Senator Jarrett Barrios, a Cambridge Democrat who is openly gay, told a story about the difficulty he faced in taking one of his two adopted sons to the hospital and arguing with the nurse over paternity rights. The Boston Globe estimated that the legislature was divided between three factions. 93 of the 200 opposed gay marriage and opposed, or at least didn't insist upon, civil unions. 44 of the 200 opposed gay marriage, yet insisted that the legislature allow civil unions. 
Finally, 55 members of the Massachusetts legislature supported gay marriage. The next session was scheduled for March 11, 2004. Governor Mitt Romney continued to support an amendment that defined marriage as a union between one man and one woman. He also opposed the legalization of civil unions, but was at least open to an amendment that allowed them if it was the only way of getting an amendment banning gay marriage passed. About a week before the Constitutional Convention, Romney wrote an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal urging other states to make sure that the people, and not the courts, decide the fate of same-sex marriage in their states. In doing so, he invoked Abraham Lincoln's opposition to the 1857 Dred Scott decision, in which Lincoln said, if the policy of the government upon vital questions affecting the whole people is to be irrevocably fixed by decisions of the Supreme Court, the people will have ceased to be their own rulers, having to that extent practically resigned their government into the hands of that eminent tribunal. Romney called the Goodrich decision wrongly decided and deeply mistaken. It should not be a surprise then that Romney stayed in close touch with the George W. Bush White House on this issue. And observers wondered just how much the governor was coordinating his efforts with the Bush presidential campaign and the Republican National Committee. Perhaps this could be a way of presenting Democratic presidential nominee and Massachusetts Senator John Kerry as a candidate who was out of touch with the rest of the country on this moral issue. Or perhaps this was a way for Romney to present himself as a cultural conservative as he thought about a potential presidential run in the future. As Mark Jerkowitz of the Boston Globe noted, news of the deadlocked constitutional convention may have cemented the idea of Massachusetts as a liberal, out of the mainstream place. Pundits and legislators in other states wrote op-eds and gave speeches claiming that they were on a mission to save their states from the fate of Massachusetts. Boston College political scientist Alan Wolf went on ABC's Nightline and said that Republicans must be salivating about the opportunity this gives them to portray the Democratic nominee, Kerry as out of touch with mainstream American values. National reporters converged on Boston during the convention. Travaglini claimed that he gave out 250 press credentials. One Boston University professor said that the coverage of gay marriage in Massachusetts had reinforced the national perception of the state as planet Pluto of left-wing wackiness a mecca of sorts of out-of-step social issues. Jerry Falwell was on the CBS early show debating a pro-gay marriage Massachusetts state senator and connecting same-sex marriage to incest and bestiality. Conservative talk radio was abuzz with loudmouth pundits reminding listeners that Massachusetts was the state that gave us that wacky John Kerry. Gay marriage was front and center in Massachusetts in the weeks between the first and second session of the Constitutional Convention. In a speech at Harvard University Law School, 
civil rights activist and former presidential candidate, Jesse Jackson, announced that he supported equal protection under the law for gay couples. But Jackson stopped short of supporting same-sex marriage. He said he disagreed with black leaders who equated same-sex marriage with the civil rights movement. The comparison with slavery is a stretch in that some slave masters were gay, in that gays were never called three-fifths human in the Constitution. And he added that gays did not require the Voting Rights Act to have the right to vote. Conservative Boston Globe columnist Jeff Jacoby agreed with Jackson. He argued that the civil rights activists of the 1950s and 1960s were trying to restore the 14th Amendment to its original purpose and to return Black citizens the equality that had been stolen from them. Gay activists, on the other hand, seek to restore nothing. According to Jacoby, they have not been deprived of the right to marry, only of the right to insist that a single-sex union is a marriage. He noted the strong support of a pro-traditional marriage amendment among the Black clergy of Massachusetts and claimed that if Martin Luther King could see what was happening, he would no doubt be spinning in his grave. A letter writer to the Globe reminded Jacoby that Coretta Scott King U.S. Representative from Georgia, John Lewis, and NAACP Chairman Julia, Julian Bond, all civil rights leaders, actually supported gay marriage. On the same day as Jacoby's column, the Globe ran a statement from 57 retired New England United Methodist clergy, strongly supporting the Massachusetts Supreme Judicial Court's ruling affirming the constitutionality of gay marriage. They affirmed gender orientation as a gift from God. And while they didn't presume to speak for their denomination, they could no longer stand by and watch the anguish and pain suffered by gay and lesbian persons. A similar statement was issued by hundreds of the state's Unitarian Universalist clergy. It was subtitled, Unitarian Universalists Stand on the Side of Love. Meanwhile, the Bedford, Massachusetts school district was embroiled in a controversy surrounding the flying of a gay flag at a local middle school's Day of Respect. Members of Boston's historic Old South Church wrote letters opposing a constitutional amendment to ban gay marriage. Its minister claimed that the church had promoted civil rights since its founding in 1669. At New Covenant Christian Church in Mattapon, Black, Hispanic, Haitian, Chinese, and Brazilian Christian leaders, and 1,200 laymen and women gathered together in a unity service to express their opposition to gay marriage. The event was sponsored by the Black Ministerial Alliance of Greater Boston. And those who made a living as part of the state's marriage industry were expressing optimism about a new market for their services. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. 
Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. The March 11 session of the Constitutional Convention began at 2 p.m. Boston residents could watch the proceedings live and unedited on WGBX-TV, Channel 44. In the morning, in an op-ed at the Boston Globe, Catholic Archbishop Sean O'Malley called for a debate defined by charity, balancing his staunch opposition to same-sex marriage with his responsibility to offer pastoral care to gay and straight Catholics. During the session, the state legislators took three of the four votes required to move an amendment to the next legislative session. Remember, all amendments to the Massachusetts Supreme Court required approval of two consecutive legislatures before they were sent to the people. An amendment which defined marriage as between one man and one woman and legalized civil unions for same-sex couples with all the same rights and benefits as marriage was approved in three separate votes. But many of those who voted in favor of the amendment did so for strategic reasons. They supported gay marriage and the Goodrich decision, but voted for the amendment now with plans to oppose it later in the process. The goal here was to prevent other more draconian amendments, amendments that would not only forbid gay marriage, but civil unions as well, from getting a vote. On March 29th, round three of the Commonwealth's Constitutional Convention got underway. The Boston Globe predicted it would be the most daunting day of parliamentary maneuvering, strategizing, and voting in modern Beacon Hill history. But while the decision the legislature faced was indeed a daunting one, there was very little political maneuvering. The day turned out to be a clear victory for the anti-gay marriage coalition. The amendment that banned gay marriage in Massachusetts and established civil unions passed by a 116 to 81 vote. This amendment was then advanced to the 2005-2006 Massachusetts legislature. If it passed that session, it would go before Massachusetts voters in November 2006. Mitt Romney expressed his pleasure with the vote. He reminded the people of Massachusetts that while the Supreme Judicial Court had permitted people of the same sex to marry, the Massachusetts legislature had now passed an amendment in opposition to the court's decision, thus creating a conflict between these two branches of government. This is exactly the conflict the governor had hoped for. Given this conflict, Romney said, I believe the Supreme Judicial Court should delay the imposition of its decision until the people have a chance to be heard and issue a decision. He added, if we begin providing for same-sex marriages on May 17, 
as ordered by the court. And then our citizens in 2006 choose to limit marriage to a man and a woman, consistent with what the legislature did today. We will have created a great deal of confusion during the period that exists between for the couples involved, for the state, for other states where people may move following marriages here, and of course, for the children of the couples. What a mess. Needless to say, the Massachusetts Catholic Conference and the Evangelical Massachusetts Family Institute were behind Romney all the way. Romney then announced that he would seek a stay for the court's decision until the constitutional amendment process had run its course. But it would not be that easy. Minutes after Romney's speech, Attorney General and Democrat Thomas F. Riley said that he would not take Romney's request for a stay to the Supreme Judicial Court because the governor lacked a legitimate legal basis for such a request. It's important to note here that under Massachusetts state law, the governor can only be represented in the courts by the office of the attorney general. Riley also made it clear that while he strongly disagreed with the court's ruling in Goodrich, he was, by the way, the one who argued the state's case against gay marriage in the courts, he was nevertheless obliged to implement the law. Gay marriage would go forward. Mitt Romney remained concerned that gay couples seeking marriage would now flock to Massachusetts. He did not want the state to become, as he put it, the Las Vegas of same-sex marriage. Indeed, town clerks in Boston and Provincetown, a popular gay vacation spot on Cape Cod, reported answering hundreds of phone calls from couples in other states who wanted to come to the Bay State and get married. O'Reilly was sympathetic to Romney's concerns. He said that same-sex couples from at least 38 other states would not be permitted to get married under the new Massachusetts law that would go into effect on May 17. In other words, the decision on same-sex marriage only applied to residents of Massachusetts. Gay couples living in one of the 38 states who had Defensive Marriage Act laws that defined marriage as a union between a man and a woman could not travel across state lines and seek a marriage license in the Commonwealth. Riley appealed to a 1913 Massachusetts law preventing out-of-staters from getting married in the Commonwealth if they were not eligible for marriage in their home state. The law was originally written to prevent interracial couples from coming to Massachusetts to get married. Massachusetts had lifted its ban on interracial marriage in 1853, but 30 states still had one. But Riley now argued that that 1930 law applied to gay couples as well. As expected, the Romney administration supported Riley's interpretation of the 1913 law. Over the course of the following weeks, Romney made every effort to enforce the legislature's ban on gay marriage and push the amendment forward. At the same time, same-sex couples in Massachusetts started preparing for their wedding day on May 17, 2004. Again, this was the day that the Massachusetts Supreme Court said that marriage license applications would become available. The entire nation was watching. In our next episode, 
we will start to see how it responded. of Evangelicals and Politics is produced by Casey Lehman. It is a podcast for patrons of Current, an online platform that includes daily commentary, reflection, and judgment from diverse and talented writers representing positions across the political spectrum. Current also hosts The Way of Improvement Leads Home, a blog dedicated to reflections on American history, politics, religion, and academic life. This podcast is made possible by our patrons. Please consider supporting us by heading over to currentpub.com and clicking the red support button. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.